in the month of January, we're going through the book of Acts, not the whole book, just the first few chapters. And uh, we are so glad that you are here today to be a part of Five Points Church. Just to give you a little context for everybody in the room, uh, if this is your first time here, that's great. You you only had a 50% chance of ever attending because we've only met two weeks. This is our second week, and uh, we are grateful for those of you who are just like, okay, well, let's check out this church. Let's see what this is about. We're we're a church that loves Jesus and wants people to just jump in with us. Um, if you're looking around like, I don't know anybody here. Well, none of us know anybody here. That's a part of being brand new, uh, that we're learning to, you know, each other, meeting people. Uh, there's a team of us that have helped get things off the ground. We know each other, but we welcome others in as we get established and begin this weekly gathering that we have. And so, uh, again, we're grateful that you've, you've showed up on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock and are a part of this church gathering. So in the book of Acts, we have chronicled the early days of the church, when the church was brand new. And so it makes sense as a brand new church to look at the book of Acts. So that's what we're doing in the month of January, just to give you a little context. Last week, we looked at Acts chapter one. In Acts one, Jesus gives a commission to his disciples and he says, go be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Start in Jerusalem, and then go to Judea, and then Samaria, and go all the way as far as you know to go. And we are still following that commission. In fact, uh, if, if you're wondering, well, why did you start a, a new church? Why is this group of people coming together saying, we need a church right here in the Five Points area in Athens? Why another church? There's lots of churches here. That, that, that was questions that, that a lot of people have asked as we've come to this place. Well, we're simply following along with what happens in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the church is always advancing because God's kingdom is always advancing. Let me just bring this up for a second. I don't know if you ever thought about this. If, if you've been in church and know what church is about, maybe you've never thought about the fact that, that churches come and go. You know, at some point, every church got started somewhere, somehow, by people. And, and there's some churches that have existed for long periods of time. But there's a chance at some point that churches will cease to exist too. Uh, in fact, these early churches that we read about, many of them aren't there any longer. And so we are here not just to be the church, but to advance the kingdom of God because God's kingdom will never end. Ultimately, that's what we're moving towards is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is anywhere Jesus is king. So when Jesus is being held up high as king, people are worshiping him. People are turning their lives to him. People are open to what anything he might want to do in their lives. That's when you see the kingdom of God. Like you kind of, when you see it, you know it. For those who are disciples of Jesus, you go, yeah, that's it. Because, because things are being made right. People are being healed. And people are ultimately loving in the way in which Christ loved us. And that is just completely extravagant unselfish in all ways. And so the kingdom of God is there advancing. We're, we're, we're joining in on that as a church. We're saying we want to be a part of the kingdom of God. We want to be a part of seeing it advance here in Athens and beyond. And so that's Acts chapter 1. We have that commission, so we're going. We're, we're, we're advancing the kingdom of God. So now we're in Acts 2. That was a, a lengthy uh, reading we had today. And Here's the thing. I'm going to only cover one verse. So um, 
I don't, I don't, this is just the way it worked out, but you have the whole context of that entire chapter. So when I cover that one verse, you'll, you'll be like, okay, I, I know what happened there. But I'm really going to stick with just one verse, verse 4, where it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so much to talk about there. And, and let, me, um, let me just go back for a second. We said last week that one thing that you can't miss from the book of Acts is that God is always working and his kingdom is always advancing. That's, that's what's going to happen all through the rest of the book of Acts. And in that, I read a story this week from some friends of ours. They serve in uh, South Asia. And in South Asia, they're working among people groups that have not heard of Jesus before. So they're, I, I, I mentioned that in some stories I told last week about showing up in other places in the world where people hadn't heard of Jesus. That's where they're at. Listen to what they said this week. There's a, there's a people group. They're within a certain caste who traditionally are traveling performers that are documented as unreached and unengaged. So that means that they don't know about Jesus, they haven't heard about Jesus, and no one is there to tell them. He says, he goes on to say, We saw a man and his niece performing on a tightrope that was hastily set up by the roadside. So our friend thought they might be of that people group. We went up to them, shared the good news, and found out that they're not only from that people group, but they're actually followers of Christ. The man explained how one elderly relative of theirs believed, which resulted in many of their village coming to faith. Today, there's a house church among them. How amazing is it to hear the testimony of God at work among people in places we thought were unreached? I thought that story was amazing and illustrated exactly what we see in the book of Acts, that God is always working. We think, is God there? Yeah, God's there. He's working. So that's Acts chapter 1. Now we're in Acts chapter 2, and Jesus has promised his Holy Spirit. Before I get to that one verse, uh, and it'll take me a little while to work up to that point, I want to bring up this idea of how we have moments of futility in our life. Now, I hope that doesn't trigger anybody by just saying that, but you know, there's moments where we're like standing in line or sitting in traffic, and we're like, are we ever going to get out of here? You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe I, was, I was trying to think back through just these moments of futility I've had in my life. Like recently, I was trying to fix something in my house, and I've tried every solution, and every solution just kept making things worse until I could not fix it myself. And I just had spent lots of time getting nowhere. You know what I'm saying? You've been there? Okay, just me. Okay, great. Um, so another example was this week, and this is where, like, trigger warning. Um, I was on the phone with a customer service rep, okay? Anybody like me that you get on the phone with customer service, and it just, like, it starts to, like, spiral. Um, and, and I realized I, I, I was... I held it together for 30 minutes because, like, no customer service call ever goes shorter than 30 minutes. You with me? Um, and, and this, I won't say the company name I was about to, but so after 30 minutes, we had gotten nowhere. Like, my order was late. It didn't show up. And then when it showed up, it was halfway there. And the, the rep was like, I don't know where your order is. Okay, great. Well, what can you do? Well, I'm not sure yet. We'll see if it shows up maybe at some point. Well, that's not very helpful. Like, I needed it, like, last week, not this week. It was for the church, and, and it hasn't shown up yet. And, and so, again, 30 minutes into it, they, they didn't provide a solution. I'm sitting there going, like, this does nothing for me. This gets me nowhere. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
the Apostle Paul says this. Let's, let's put that on there so you guys can just visually see that. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Think about that for a second. If Jesus had not defeated the grave, we're still in our sins. Those who have believed in Jesus and confessed his name, we're still in our sins. We have not received salvation. Our salvation is dependent on the resurrection of Jesus. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. It's an apologetic about Jesus' resurrection. And so here's, here's the phrase I want to give you to start off. Supernatural power is the only answer to supernatural problems. Supernatural power is the only answer to supernatural problems. And and when I say problems, I'm talking about sin. Sin's a problem that we all have. On one hand, it's it's a natural problem, okay? I have five kids, and uh, I've got got a couple of them sick at home with strep throat today, and so you you haven't seen the tornado running through here as much today. But with those five children, I did not have to teach any of them how to lie. I asked my kids this morning, we, we were praying together, and I said, did, did daddy have to teach any of you how to lie? And, and um, they're like, no. And then my youngest said, um, or I, I, I turned to her and I said, did anyone have to teach you how to lie? And she said, yeah, my brother did. Um, so that did not go as planned, but uh, no one has to teach us how to lie or steal or cheat. Like in our flesh, we have a problem. We're, we're self-focused. We're, we, we turn inward oftentimes when left to ourselves, and that's sin. So on one hand, sin is a natural problem. It's, it's a part of who we are. It, it, we're born into sin, the scripture says. On the other hand, sin is a supernatural problem. I don't know if that's exactly the correct term to put on it, but I attach that word supernatural to it to mean there's nothing we can do within ourselves to fix that sin. It's outside of us. You can try to stop lying. You can try to stop cheating. You can try to stop being so angry at times, and it will get you only so far. Ultimately, we need another solution to that sin problem, and that's through Jesus. So the supernatural answer to the supernatural problem of sin is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus offered a way for us to be saved from our sins, right? Many of you know the gospel. You know this good word that, that even though we were dead in our trespasses, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus offers a solution for us in our sins so that through his life, his perfect sinless life, through his death, where he took on the sins, our sins, and he took on the punishment we deserved through his death and then his resurrection, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, ultimately he had to defeat the grave, he had to defeat death to then have power over all things. So Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, offers us this supernatural solution to the problem of sin. So the gospel, that's what I'm preaching to you. It's a message of good news. That word gospel means good news. It's good news because I'm sharing with you that Jesus lived the life that you should have lived, that that you and I, we could not live on our own. And then he died the death that we should have died. Jesus died the death that, 
taking on the punishment of sins. That's, that's what we deserved. And the good news, the gospel, is that in doing so, he once again establishes himself as king over all things. And if you turn to him as your Lord, then he will restore relationship with you. He will, he will open your heart up to the work in your life to forgive you of your sins. That's the good news. That's the gospel. For those who have received the gospel, we accept that and hear that and need to reflect on that. We need to reflect on that often and be filled with gratitude that Jesus loves us and gives his life for us. So every day, it's like as simple as that. We, we wake up and we say, Jesus, this life, I understand who I am, that I've done nothing to get to you. I can't walk around saying, look at me. I'm a good person. I'm a spiritual person. I deserve this. It puts us in our place that only through Jesus are we made right. So Jesus offers us this good news, this gospel, to all who, receive, who will receive it. Now, for some of you, the gospel is not yet good news because you have not received the gospel. And we want you to receive the gospel. We want the gospel to take root in your heart. And until it really is that good news in which you have received, it will sound a little crazy, and we get that, right? All of us probably at some point, maybe, I don't know, some of you grew up in church and you, you heard the story, so maybe it wasn't at, that, at any point crazy to you. But when we walk around, you know, we have to realize what message we're proclaiming, that there's a guy who lived on the earth who was actually God, right? And, and that he lived a perfect life and that he died and then he came back to life and then he ascended to heaven. That, that's, a, that's a crazy story to people's ears who've never heard it. Go, go try telling that story to someone who's never heard it before. And they're like, okay, you okay? Like, okay. But it, here's what I want to tell you that I've learned as I've explored, as I've doubted, as I've had to like look at the gospel and decide, like, do I believe the gospel? I believe it with all my heart. I believe it has more powerful, it's more powerful than any other story. And that if you believe in the gospel, that Jesus will change you completely and transform you. So that brings us to verse four of Acts chapter two. It says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and the immediate demonstration of that was they could speak in tongues or other languages. And then from there, there's this incredible work of God through the, through the preaching of the gospel that this large group of people turn to the gospel and Jesus grants them forgiveness of sins and they are added to the church. That, that's what we're trying to be a part of. We're trying to proclaim Jesus, have people's lives restored by Jesus and, and, then, and then be the church to go and love and share that story over and over again. Now, as I share the gospel right now, I, I, I thought about this all through the preaching last week. As I, I was up here, I was teaching, and I had this realization. And I have this realization right now. I had the same realization when I was sharing the gospel this week. I was, I was talking with someone that I met on campus, I was telling them about the gospel. I was, I was sharing that. And I had the same realization. And it was this. That my words only go so far. 
as I'm saying and talking about Jesus, my words only go so far. Again, the supernatural problem we have can only be dealt with a supernatural solution of, of Jesus. And it takes the work of the Holy Spirit. This, the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples here. And in the Holy Spirit's work, they're completely transformed and turned upside down. It takes for someone to receive the gospel, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's work. It requires the supernatural work of God. Here's the truth. I could scream. I could get on my knees and beg or get as passionate as possible in this talk right now. If, if somehow I could turn into Martin Luther King Jr. and speak with just incredible words of eloquence, as I you know, think about MLK Day tomorrow, if I could be him for a minute and speak like he spoke, that even with the most eloquent words and even with people hanging on every word I, I might have in a teaching, for a supernatural work to occur, it requires the Holy Spirit. It requires God to go to work in our hearts. If you're like, oh, okay, I'm open to like the Bible, I'm open to Jesus, I can, I can talk through with you or someone else may like work through things with you. But ultimately, it must be the work of the Holy Spirit to move you forward in any possible way. I think about this especially right now as we are starting a church this is a supernatural work to, to be the church, to become the church, to like do what we're doing and like saying we want to be God's people right here in this place. This requires the Holy Spirit. For those of us that are you're already like, this is going to be my home. This is going to be my church. Everything we do, like here's the crazy part. Let me just pause for a second and just go off on this for a second. Here's the crazy part. We, can, we, we have already figured out, it didn't take us long that like, we can get readers to help us out in the parking lot, and we can have people with our kids in the back singing, playing games with them. We can, we can sing songs up here. We can teach right now. We can pray together. And we can do a level of what I'll just call church, like in our own strength. Like we can do that, and people, even like people come, you guys are here. This is amazing. Like people, we were like wondering, is anybody going to show up? Uh, this is great. We're so glad that you're here. But what, what I'm saying in this is we don't want it to be in our own power. It won't get us very far. So we're, we're confessing from the beginning, like we want the Holy Spirit to come and empower the work that we're doing. And, and for you personally, we're praying that God, through the Holy Spirit, would work in your heart to take root and do the work he wants to do in you. So we need the Holy Spirit, to be the church. This is a spiritual work. This is not a natural work. What we are doing requires the supernatural work of God. And Jesus said so much with uh, a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. If you're familiar with the, the gospel of John, you'll remember this story. When he meets with this Jewish man who has known the scriptures, and, he, and here's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, 
but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. So Jesus says, for anything to happen in your heart, Nicodemus, the Spirit has to do that work. When Peter stands up in this chapter that we just read in Acts chapter 2, and he talks to that crowd about repenting, the work of God is required. God has to do that work. Well, how does God do that work? Well, here at Pentecost, he does it through the Holy Spirit, and that is the pattern for all the rest of time. The Holy Spirit is what we refer to as a member of the Trinity. We believe in one God who's three persons. One God, three persons. I've been trying to teach this to my kids. What, what is the Trinity? What does that mean that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit? And uh, I'm having a great time trying to explain that. It's, it's going really well, I promise. Um, and so if you have questions about the Trinity and how that works, uh, Pastor Ricky's here after the service. I'm going to direct you to him. He knows exactly how to explain everything. So the work of God is required through the Holy Spirit. There's one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit. It's not an it. It's not a power. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God who comes and dwells in us. Jesus says, as, as he's approaching his death, he says to his disciples, this is in John chapter 16, you may remember this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This passage has always stood out to me. <laughs> like, I've always tried to wrap my mind around that idea that Jesus says, it's better if I leave you. I can't imagine that after you've lived day in and day out with Jesus and you've seen what he's done to heal people and take care of people, to just direct the disciples as they've needed to be directed. And he says, it's better if I go. Are you sure? I, I can imagine like if the disciples like response was recorded in John, that they would have been much like the other times where, you know, they're always kind of trying to correct Jesus. No, no, like, I don't, I don't think you, you're right on this, Jesus. Like, I, I, I'm, we're not with you on this. Like, it's, it's much better if you're here with us. I know that's what I would have been saying. But Jesus says, this is to their advantage that the Holy Spirit will come. How can he say that? He's saying that there's something better. It reminds me of the time when uh, my wife and I were dating and she took me as her guest to a wedding of a very close friend of hers. We showed up at this wedding a few hours away in North Carolina. And it was, it was unlike any wedding I've ever been to and probably will ever go to. We showed up at this place. And I later learned, I just thought we were on like some, you know, event property. I later learned that this was like this family's property that we were on. And uh, what... The, the thing that stood out to me was when we sat down, wedding gets started, all the normal things. But then when it's time for the bride to come, uh, this is unlike any other bridal entrance I'd ever seen before. Because we looked up over the hills and a carriage is coming, horse and buggy, the whole thing. It's like, I, I look around, I'm like, am I on a movie set right now? I, this is crazy. And she unloads off the, the horse carriage um, with the man dressed up just like you would think in the movies, um, you know, like carrying the carriage along. And I was like, this is something else. Wow. But then someone needed to say to me at that moment, just wait, there's more. You heard that phrase before? No, 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 just wait. Wait till the end. 
there's more. Because it just kept like going more and more over the top as we like went through that wedding. You can imagine that, um, you know, I later learned once we got past their golf course into their estate area that, um, that and, and explored a few garages that, of some old cars that really weren't all that important but were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and I w- then went later to the kids' playhouse that I thought was their house, but no, that was the kids' playhouse. Um, it was it was just different, and the party was different, and the reception was different. The whole thing was just a little different than like the level of which I normally go to weddings. There was always more, like every time I turned around the corner. And Jesus is saying, look, there's more. There's better. In me leaving, here's the key phrase, if I, if I, if I go away, the helper will not come to you. Maybe you've heard it, what it's been said before, the spirit in you is better than the Jesus beside you. This is what the disciples experienced with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says it's better, they say, oh, I can imagine after they like get together, after Peter's preached, and they're like, man, all these people believe in Jesus. This is crazy how what's happened, and people are talking in all these languages, and we can understand them. There's miracles after miracles, and they go, oh, I get it. Like, this is why it's better that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come. We've been helped. He's been with us. This is the main storyline of the Bible. Don't miss this. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. That from the beginning, what God desires is to be with his people, to dwell with his people. From the beginning, that, that when he was with Adam and Eve in the garden, he was walking with them, living life with them. And then they sinned, they died a spiritual death, they were banished from the garden. And, and since that day, God has been working towards that to dwell with his people again. First, it was in the tabernacle. You can read about that and how Jesus, how, how, how God the Father gave the instructions for the tabernacle where he would come and meet with them and he showed up and there was lightning and thunder and this huge display of the power of God. And then it came in Jesus. God came to dwell with man. When Jesus was born, in the Gospel of John, he says He came and tabernacled among them. Jesus came to dwell with us, to be with us. And ultimately, that was all moving towards one day the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, the Apostle Paul writes, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? This is what's better than Jesus beside us is the Holy Spirit in us. God's spirit dwells in us. This is amazing. This is like a mystery that's, that's very profound. Now, if you're a believer, you can go back to living in your flesh. You can go back to your old ways. You can go read Galatians 5 on more than that. You can you cannot open your life up to the work of God. But when we do, when we give the Holy Spirit freedom in our life, day after day, he transforms us. He's there beside us. He walks with us. We have no idea the gift we have. And you go to Romans 8, 11, it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. Think about what power we have through the work of the Holy Spirit. If, if, 
The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. That is the power of God that lives in us now. So I'm trying to drive all this home to make one point. This is a one-point sermon today. I really thought I would go well beyond verse 4. <laughs> I thought I would get to Peter's sermon. I would talk about the people present. I would even talk about the wind and the fire. But this week, as I was working to put together this talk, the Holy Spirit was working in me. And I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, we've got one point to make today. And it's this, without my work, your work is in vain. Without my work, your work is in vain. Without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in this church that God is establishing, it's all in vain. It's, it's completely futile. It's me being on the line with customer service for, for hours and getting nowhere. Without the Holy Spirit's work, I need everybody to be with me, especially those who are like, okay, I'm tracking. I want to be the church. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to live in me. We, we must have the Holy Spirit. We must have his work in our life. I don't know if you've ever tried to put together furniture. Every time I do it, I swear it off, and I say I'm never going to do it again on one of those like Ikea type furniture pieces. You know what I'm saying? Like you put it, like it comes in a hundred puzzle pieces and, and sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't. And no matter what, inevitably, I've gotten a little better, but especially when I first started putting those things together that I continue to put together for some reason. Inevitably, I get to a point, especially at the end, where I realize I've missed a step. I'm not good at directions anyways. Usually just throw those away, you know, that, that probably would have helped. But as I get to the end of putting that, piece together, it's like, why is it flopping over? Yeah, I forgot that screw. That would have helped. And the Holy Spirit, this is a very imperfect metaphor, but the Holy Spirit is the linchpin in our lives. It, he is the one who um, keeps us from falling over. He is the one who is so key to our lives that if we miss him, we miss it all. We fall apart. It can be summed up in a commentary I read this week by Ben Witherington. He says, without the coming of the Spirit, there would be no prophecy, no preaching, no mission, no conversions, and no worldwide Christian movement. So when we declare the gospel here, and each week we'll do that, the good news of Jesus, that he loves you, he came for you, he wants to dwell in you, it will only go so far as the Holy Spirit will allow that. It's his work. We're leaving it in his hands. We're not going to be real big on like being emotional and like moving people to like, you know, let's play the right music and the right song. And like, let's 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 get super um, serious here at the end. And maybe I can get someone crying. I'll tell like a real touching story. Maybe I'll bring that sometime. But it's not emotionalism. It's, it's truly the work of God that we need in our lives. It has to be him. It has to be the Holy Spirit. 